Alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah, Sheikh. Do know that you can also participate with us on our WhatsApp number as well as our SMS number. That is questions pertaining to the topic that we are going to be speaking about this afternoon, inshallah. And then Sheikh will be also looking at that tomorrow. All your questions that you are going to be forwarded through, we will be receiving those, whether it is on SMS or whether it is on WhatsApp. And Sheikh will then tomorrow, inshallah, will be looking at those questions. But for further ado, Sheikh, Bismillah. بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن ولا أما بعد. Sister Yasmina, respected listeners of the Voice of the Cape, I greet you all with universal greetings of love, mercy, and peace. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yes, alhamdulillah. Today we are going to be dealing with a very important topic a topic that literally governs every aspect of our lives and that is the topic of of fiqh we commonly use the term copless in the old days the word was copless if we referred to that subject, vanier ons gebrek onse kop. And that basically gives us the literal meaning of, of fiqh, which is understanding. The linguistic meaning of fiqh is to understand. In Arabic, al-fahm. And Allah SWT has used this word in the Holy Quran, indicative of that meaning. For example, in Surah An-Nisa, verse number 78, فَمَالِ هَؤُلَاءِ الْقَوْمِ لَا يَكَادُونَ يَفْقَهُونَ حَدِيثًا And those people almost do not understand the speech, what was being spoken. لَا يَكَادُونَ يَفْقَهُونَ فَقِهَ يَفْقَهُ أي فَهِمَ يَفْهَمُ Which literally means to understand. In the tafsir, أي لَا يَفْهَمُونَ they do not understand. Also in Surah Al-Isra, verse number 44, But you do not understand their glorification. Everything in the heavens and on earth. Everything in the heavens and on earth is glorifying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَا تَفْقَهُونَ تَسْبِيحُهُمْ Meaning, you don't understand. لَا تَفْهَمُونَ تَسْبِيحُهُمْ You don't understand the glorification of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We can't hear the plants and the trees and the fish in the sea glorifying Allah. Our beloved Prophet Muhammad also uses this word, fiqh, 
to denote understanding in his ahadith in a hadith narrated by al-imam muslim qala rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam inna that indeed the lengthening of a man's prayer and the shortening of his lecture is indeed a gift or a fruit of his understanding. So this is the linguistic, the literal meaning of fiqh, which means to understand. But then we have a istilahi meaning. So we have lughatan wa istilahan. Lughatan, whenever we define something, we always define it linguistically or literally, and we define it technically or legally. And the legal meaning, al al istilahi, and I found a a very beautiful definition by a very great man. Ibn Khaldun is in fact considered by Western scholars to be the father of sociology. And he was a great historian. He was a great alim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shower his mercy upon him. He describes fiqh in the legal sense as the knowledge of the rules of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which concern the actions of persons bound to obey the law bound to obey the law that's where we get uh, the meaning of that from the word mukallaf a person who is mukallaf is a person who is duty bound to obey the law and Something that we will discuss inshallah ta'ala in this topic is when does a person become mukallaf? For a girl, it is from the age of nine when she has her first menses, her first hayd. And for a boy, when he gets his first ihtilam or so called wet dream. And if neither have taken place by the age of 15, the girl hasn't had her hayd, nor the boy had, he'd had his first wet dream. When they reach the age of 15, then automatically they would become mukallafin. They would become duty-bound to obey the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Respecting what is required, wajib, what is forbidden, haram, what is recommended, mandub, what is disapproved of, makru, what is merely permitted, Mubah. And we will go through those legal rulings ta'ala, as we go along. So, the istilahi meaning Ma'rifatul ahkam al-shari'ya al-muta'alliqa bi'amal al-mukallafin wa aqwalihim al-muktasibatu min adillatihi al-tafsiliya. The part that Ibn Khaldum doesn't go into detail about in explaining is that these rules pertaining to those actions by where we are duty bound of the rules of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala min adillatihi at-tafsiliyya from the detailed 
proofs which are nususum min al-Qur'ani wa sunnah wa yatafarra'u anhuma min ijma'in wa ijtihad that these ahkam, these rulings that they are extracted from where? they are taken from the Qur'an they are taken from the sunnah they are taken from consensus interpretive judgment and included in that is qiyas which is analogy when we don't have something in the Qur'an and the sunnah and we don't have consensus on that particular ruling then we would have to we would have to make an analogy uh, pertaining to something which is in the in the uh, in the nusus in the texts Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. The voice there of Sheikh Riyad Walls to know that you can also send through your comments through to our WhatsApp as well as our SMS. And the topic of discussion this afternoon is, of course, fiqh. For now, we break for ads and when we come back, we'll continue the show. Stay tuned. Madrasa on A. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome back to your program Madrasa on A Developing Islam in Me. I'm your host Yasmina Peterson along with special guests in the studio none other than Sheikh Riyad Walls. If you have just tuned in then Assalamu alaikum to you. Sheikh was just giving a brief definition of fiqh and that is of course what we are speaking about this afternoon. To know that you can send through your SMSs as well as your WhatsApp messages and you can send them through and interact with us inshallah. But for now I hand back over to Sheikh to continue where we stop just before the ad break. Sheikh Tafatma. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala amma ba'd. Sister Yasmina, respected listeners of the Voice of the Cape, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So just before the break, we were speaking about the uh, the definition of what is fiqh. And uh, as we have been doing with all the other subjects, we've looked at the al-mabadi al-ashara. إِنَّ مَبَادِيَ كُلِّ فَنٍ عَشَرَةً الْحَدُّ وَالْمَوْدُوعُ ثُمَّ الثَّمَرَةً That every science has ten foundational principles. And the first principle that we always deal with is the definition thereof. So that's what we were doing before before the break. Looking at the definition of what is fiqh, لُغَةً وَاسْتِلَاحًا لُغَةً literally, that fiqh means فَهَم, understanding. And... Istilahan, technically or legally, that fiqh are the the rulings which are extracted from the detailed sources, the Quran and the Sunnah, concerning the actions of a person who is duty bound in terms of obeying the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with what is wajib, haram, mandub, makruh, or mubah these five rulings because this is basically the essence of what we'll be studying in fiqh and mashallah Sheikh Ibrahim has covered already a large portion thereof so what we will be studying in essence we'll be studying the rulings when is it wajib, when is it compulsory to do something when is it mandub or recommended to do something? When is it mubah? When is it permitted to, to, to do something? When is it makru? When is it, when is it disliked or disapproved of doing something? And when is it haram? When is it prohibited to do something? 
I mean, this is, this is what we are supposed to be asking ourselves about every aspect of our lives. Is it halal? Is it haram? Is it lawful? Is it prohibited? And if we must just give a very brief definition of these five rulings, we could say that wajib yuthabu ala fa'lihi wa yu'aqabu ala tarki. That which is wajib, that which is compulsory, you'll be rewarded if you do it and you'll be punished if you leave it out. There is a straightforward incentive and a straightforward deterrent. If you do it, if you make salah, Allah SWT will reward you for that salah. If you, don't, if you leave it out, then Allah SWT threatens to punish us for not making salah. مَا سَلَكَكُمْ فِي السَّقَرِ قَالُوا قَالُوا لَمْ نَكُمْ مِنَ الْمُصَلِّينَ So Allah SWT says in the Holy Quran, when the people in Jahannam, when they were asked, مَا سَلَكَكُمْ فِي السَّقَرِ What caused you to be in the fire? قَالُوا لَمْ نَكُمْ مِنَ الْمُصَلِّينَ We were not of those who prayed. So, the hukam or the ruling of making salah is wajib. For example, يُثَابُ عَلَى فِعْلِهِ وَيُعَاقِبُ عَلَى تَرْكِ You'll be rewarded if you do it. You'll be punished if you leave it out. Then we have something which is, for example, mandub. Or another word that we can use is sunnah. Or mustahab. And there are varying degrees of that which is recommended. Some are strongly recommended more or more strongly recommended than others. Certain actions. And mandub or sunnah or mustahab yuthabu ala fa'lihi wa la yu'aqabu ala tarki. You'll be rewarded if you do it, but you won't be punished if you leave it out. So there already we see a clear distinction in these two different rulings. The one ruling, compulsory. Reward if you do it. The threat of being punished if you leave it out. Mandub or recommended. You'll be rewarded if you do it. You won't be punished if you leave it out. And then the third one being mubah. That which is permitted. La yuthabu ala fa'li wa la yu'aqabu ala tarki. You won't be rewarded for necessarily doing it. And you won't be punished for leaving it out. Now, you can be rewarded for doing something which is permissible with the right intention. Like eating, for example. Eating is a permissible action. What we eat, of course, has to be halal. Has to be slaughtered in the, in the correct way, wifqan, in agreement with the, the strict dietary laws as revealed in the Holy Quran and as stated by our beloved Prophet Muhammad but eating in itself, eating is a permissible act. But what happens if you, when you eat, you make a knee, you make an intention, nawaitu attaqawwa ala ta'atillah. That when you eat, you say, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, in the name of Allah, the most gracious, most merciful, I make the intention that with this food, I am going to, inshallah ta'ala, become a strong believer, and I'm going to utilize that strength in my worship, in my obedience of my Creator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he has a permissible act. If we had to eat without any intention, then there is no reward in that. And because it's something which is permitted, of course there's no punishment in it either. But for anything that we make an intention, there's a reward in it. The 
Great pious scholars of Islam, they used to say, for example, أُحِبُّ أَنْ أَنْوِيَ فِي كُلِّ شَيْءٍ حَتَّى فِي الْأَكْلِ وَالشُّرْبِ I love to make an intention in everything, even in eating and drinking. Some of them used to say, أُحِبُّ أَنْ أَنْوِيَ حَتَّى فِي الْمَكْنَسَةِ I love to make an intention even if it is sweeping out the yard, for example, or sweeping out the house. So, sweeping, is it permissible act, Sasteyas Mina, or is it, a, is it a prohibited act? Sweeping. Permissible. It's definitely permissible. Now, a permissible act, I'm going to repeat it, if we do it, there's no reward. If we leave it out, there's no punishment. But what happens if you clean out your house with intention? Ya Allah, I'm cleaning out my house. Why? Because anadhafatu shatr al-iman. Because cleanliness is half of my entire faith. Is there reward in that? Certainly there is. So, permissible acts without an intention? There's no reward in it. Permissible acts with an intention? إِنَّمَا الْعَمَالُ بِالنِّيَّاتِ وَإِنَّمَا لِكُلِّ مْرِئٍ مَا نَوَى Everybody... Or the hadith, famous hadith, all actions without any exception are with intentions. And everybody will be rewarded according to what they've intended. So those we've covered three rulings so far. Wajib, which is compulsory. Mandub, which is recommended. Mubah, which is permitted. And then we have makru, which is Disapproved of or disliked. And you get different terminology uh, depending on the madhab. In the Shafi madhab, we have makru and we have khilaf awla. And uh, in the Hanafi madhab, we have makru tanzihan and makru tahriman. Inshallah, we will speak about that in more de- detail uh, when we get to that. ta'ala. Now, the definition of makru is yuthabu ala tarkihi wa la yu'aqabu ala fi'ali. It's something that is makru. You will be rewarded if you leave it out. Something that's disliked. Something that's disapproved of. You'll be rewarded if you leave it out. But you won't be punished if you do it. And then of course, haram. The one who does something that is haram. The definition of haram being, you'll be punished if you do it, if you do something that's prohibited. For example, taking in intoxicants, gambling, fornication and adultery, stealing, etc., etc. You will be punished if you do it. That is the threat, that is the warning. And I want to just uh, bring the listeners' attention to uh, the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is Al-Wadud. One of His beautiful 99 names. Al-Wadud. The All-Loving. And the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves us and loves us dearly. In fact, there is an author to the effect that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is more merciful to His servant then the mother of the infant when she returns that lost infant to her bosom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is more merciful, more loving, more compassionate Jalla fi so we can take it as parents and I'm sure there are many parents and grandparents that are probably listening now that 
when we love our children, that's when we want the best for them. So we give them incentives to do good. And if they do that good, we reward them on that good. And we also, because we love them, and we have their best interest at heart, we want to keep them from bad. So we threaten them. We warn them that if you are not going to listen, then I know recently a law was now passed. You can't give your children a hiding anymore. So, okay, let's do time out now. Okay, so you threaten them with time out or whatever the case might be. Why? Because you? Because you love them. And you want to use that as a deterrent to deter them from that bad action which is not going to be in their best interest if they had to be engaging in it. So th- th- this is, I mean, I'm, we're taking it from the perspective of a parent. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is our creator. The creator of everything in the heavens and on earth. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-wadud. He is the all-loving creator. Jalla fi ula. And because He loves us, you will find right throughout the Qur'an, you will find the two themes of targhib and tarheeb. Targhib are those verses in the Qur'an that encourage us to do good deeds to attain the rewards thereof. So that we do those good deeds to attain the rewards thereof. And tarheeb are those verses in the Qur'an where Allah SWT deters us from bad deeds in order that we can stay away from those bad deeds and we can be safe from the punishment thereof. And if I can just add to that, Targhib, the, the, the main purpose of incentives in the Qur'an as well as in the Sunnah is to instill within our hearts a desire to do those good deeds so we can attain the rewards thereof. And the deterrence, the, uh, the warnings of punishment are to instill into our hearts fear to abstain from those bad deeds again to be saved from the punishment thereof. So, when it comes to that which is haram, you aqabu ala fi'lihi wa yuthabu ala tarki. That which is prohibited, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prohibits us from doing these bad actions. He warns us with and threatens us with punishment in order that we might stay away from those bad deeds. And by default, just like we have wajib, yuthabu ala fi'li, wa yu'aqibu ala tarki, if something is compulsory, you will be rewarded if you do it, and you will be punished if you leave it out. Something which is prohibited, haram, yu'aqibu ala fi'li, you'll be punished if you do it, but at the same time, yuthabu ala tarki, you'll be rewarded if you leave it out. Madrasa on A. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome back to your program Madrasa on A, Developing Islam in Me I'm your host Yasmina Peterson along with Sheikh Riyad Wolf in studio and this afternoon we are speaking about fiqh and then also just a reminder again to send through your messages you are most welcome to send through any questions that Sheikh has been mentioned already if you are not clear about that you can send them through to the WhatsApp as well as our SMS but further ado I'm now going to be handing over to Sheikh to continue where we stop just before with the ad break Sheikh Tawadol Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi 
Once again, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yes, just before the break, we were just uh, completing the definition of the of the five ahkam, which is basically the essence of our study of the subject of of fiqh. And uh, some scholars, when it comes to this definition, they speak about the knowledge of the ahkam in light of the sources like the Quran and the and the Sunnah and the rulings themselves and inshallah we're going to be looking at at both and when we go through the ahkam and inshallah ta'ala I'm just going to summarize what uh, Sheikh Ibrahim has already covered and then we will go inshallah we'll move on in a little bit more detail uh, after that but Inshallah Ta'ala, what we are going to look at, we are going to look at both aspects. So we're going to look at the the ahkam in themselves, looking at the ahkam of tahara, the, the rulings pertaining to purification, pertaining to wudu, pertaining to ghuzl, pertaining, pertaining to, um, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll move on Inshallah Ta'ala, we'll look at the the rulings pertaining to the ahkam of, of salah, the ahkam of of zakah, the ahkam of siyam, the ahkam of hajj, etc, etc. So those are the what we call the, the rulings themselves. And then we'll also look at the rulings in light of the of the Quran and the Sunnah. So when we speak about a ruling, then we will also speak about where does that come from. We won't speak about the methodology of extrapolation, of istimbat, that is usul al-fiqh. We're not doing usul al-fiqh. We're not going to look at the methodology of how the ruling was arrived at. But we're going to definitely look at the dalil, the proof as to where the ruling comes from. So those two aspects of fiqh in the, in the legal sense, we are going to be looking at. Uh, so for example, um, our knowledge that the niyyah in wudu is compulsory in the Shafi Madhab. And we're going to be doing the Shafi Mother, but I also would like to, just to inshallah, broaden our minds a little bit. I will, I'm also going to look inshallah in less detail after we have, after we've looked at the mas'ala, at the issue. In the Shafi Madhab in detail, in less detail I want us to shed a little bit of light on the rulings of the same mas'ala in the other three madhahib, in the Madhab of Al-Imam Abu Hanifa, Al-Imam Malik ibn Anas, Al-Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal Rahimahum Allah ta'ala rahmatan wasim Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala envelop them in his, in his mercy Ameen Ya Rabbil Alameen So looking at the, at the ahkam How the whole subject of fiqh is broken up Ibadat, mu'amalat, worship and transactions Worship, that is the connection between us and our khaliq bain al khalq wal khaliq that is ibadat worship and then mu'amalat is the transaction bain al khalaiq between creation itself but between uh, how we how we interact marriage divorce buying selling um, 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 punishments um, jihad so many other aspects of human interaction 
And uh, there's, a, there's a very beautiful uh, uh, statement that has been made pertaining to, to how we look at these two aspects of fiqh. Ibadat, mu'amalat. Ibadat, basically, purification, salah, zakah, siyam, fasting, and hajj. Those, those would fall under ibadat. It's all pertaining to worship. And there's a beautiful saying that goes that in ibadat, everything is unlawful. In, in worship, everything is unlawful, except, except that which Allah and His Messenger have made lawful. Whereas in mu'amalat, there's, more, there's, there's room for more, for the lack of a better term, there's room for more creativity. Within the bounds, of course. Within the bounds of of the of the masadir of the um, the sources, Quran, Sunnah, Ijma, Qiyas. There's more creativity in muamalat because everything is halal, everything is permissible, except that which Allah and His Messenger have made unlawful. But inshallah, we'll see that will become clearer as we as we go along. And um, so, for example, looking at at a hukum, looking at a ruling. In light of the of the proof, we have, and I just mentioned that that the intention for wudu is obligatory in the Shafi Madhab, because of the Hadith that we have in Bukhari and Muslim, إنما الأعمال بالنيات, that without any exception, that's what إنما does. إنما أدات الحصر وقصر, anything that comes after إنما is without any exception. So إنما الأعمال what does that mean? All actions without any exception, bin niyat, are with intentions. So here we're looking at the, at the proof as to, how, as to why we have that, that ruling. The ruling is that uh, intention in wudu, in the Shafi Madhab, as I mentioned before, is obligatory because of this particular hadith. Madrasa on A. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome back to your program Madrasa on A, Developing Islam in Me. I'm your host Yasmina Peterson along with Sheikh Riyad Wools in studio and this afternoon we are speaking about fiqh and now I'm going to be handing over to Sheikh to continue where we stopped just before the ad break. Sheikh Tafatul. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala amma ba'd. Once again, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yes, we are busy with the definition, the legal definition of what is fiqh. We're going to be looking at inshallah ta'ala in this topic of fiqh. In terms of the legal definition, we're going to be looking at the rulings themselves uh, pertaining to our acts of worship as well as our acts of uh, interaction, transaction between bayn al-khala'iq, between us and other human beings. And then we're also going to be, uh, inshallah, looking at those ahkam, those rulings in light of the proofs which come from the Qur'an and the Sunnah and the Ijma, the consensus, as well as Qiyas, analogy. And we made some examples uh, before the break in terms of how we look at those rulings in light of the proofs. Uh, Another one is that we have a ruling on making the niyyah, again in the Shafi Madhab, making the niyyah for siyam, for fasting, should be made at night. 
In other words, before the rising of the true dawn, that it is a condition, it is a shart, in terms of the validity of the fast, that we must make mabit of the intention. And that is why traditionally we have in Cape Town, we've always made the niyyah after Salat al-Taraweeh. Nawaitu sawma ghadin an adai fardi shahi ramadan hadihi sana imanan wahtisaban lillahi ta'ala. And there's been a great wisdom in that because now it prevents anybody from forgetting to make the niyyah before the rising of Al-Fajr al-Sadiq, the rising of true dawn, the next morning. So again, in the Shafi Madhab, the niyyah for fasting the next day must be made at night, meaning before the rising of the true dawn, based on a hadith of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallam, narrated by Al-Bayhaqi and Al-Darqatni, and it says, In other words, its transmitters are, are reliable. In this particular hadith, whoever does not go to bed, lam siyam, in other words, make the intention before the rising of the true dawn, then there is no fasting for them. In other words, the fast is invalid. Again, and we're going to look, inshallah, when we go through the, the different ahkam, we're going to look at the other other uh, madhahib because I find it so beautiful. In fact, there's a brilliant book called Al-Mizan Al-Kubra, written by Sheikh Abdul Wahab Al-Sha'rani. And uh, in Al-Mizan Al-Kubra, he shows that, and he, he looks at the four madhahib, the Hanafi, Maliki, Shafi, Hanbali, he looks at every mas'ala, he looks at what they agree on, and he looks at the differences in between them. And what he shows every time is they always balance each other out. That you will have the one scholar perhaps being very strict on that particular issue, that particular mas'ala. You'll find, uh, let's say for example, Abu Hanifa is strict on that mas'ala. And uh, Ahmad ibn Hanbal, he is maybe very easy on that mas'ala. And we find Imam Malik and Imam Shafi in the middle. And then they balance each other out. And he does that for every mas'ala. So, it, it, mashallah, it, it is, um, yes, it is a weak hadith. We all know that al-ikhtilafu fi ummati rahma, but its meaning is correct. That difference, differences uh, in brackets of opinion, in my ummah, the Prophet said, is mercy. And you can really see it on hajj. Subhanallah, because one person is trying to follow the, the madhab, but logistically it is very challenging. You've got three other million people also trying to perform the, the hajj on their madhab. And, and that's why we always uh, encourage the, the hujjaj to try and stick to your madhab as you, best as you possibly can. But don't think twice if you have to follow one of the other uh, three schools of thought in completing your hajj. Man, man qallada imaman, I learned this from uh, my one teacher in, in Damascus. He taught us this little bait. He says, man qallada imaman laqi Allah saliman. Whoever follows one of the four imams will meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a good state because they are all based on on Quran and the sunnah of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So again, looking at the ahkam in light of the proofs. Another example is the fact that Salatul Witr 
is something that is not compulsory. It is recommended. Again, in the Shafi Madhab. And I'm, as I'm going through these, I'm thinking already about the differences you find in the other Madhab. And then, Alhamdulillah, that's fine. That's great. Salat al-Witr in the Shafi Madhab is manduba. Akhdan min hadith al-A'rabi, taking from the hadith of the Bedouin that asked the Prophet ﷺ about al-Fara'id. In other words, he asked the Prophet ﷺ about those actions that are compulsory. And then afterwards, after the Prophet ﷺ told him what, what is compulsory on him, he asked the question, Hal alayya ghayruha? Is there, anything, is there anything else I have to do? So the Prophet ﷺ, he said, La illa an except if you want to do that which is optional and extra. Illa an so, what does this tell us? It tells us that anything besides the fara'id, which includes uh, witr, for example, witr is, is not part of the fara'id, not part of the, uh, the compulsory, uh, compulsory acts. And uh, so, looking at the hukum, looking at the fact that witr is an optional action, if you remember the definition early on, what is mandub? You'll be rewarded if you do it And you won't be punished if you leave it out So which is not something that we It's a very, it's a very strongly recommended uh, Sunnah act of our beloved Prophet To make a witr To make salat al-witr But it is not something that is fard And therefore if you had to leave it out You wouldn't be punished and so, inshallah ta'ala, we are going to be going through uh, the ahkam, looking at the, looking at the adilla. Um, I've got uh, an example, inshallah ta'ala, from the Qur'an about the wiping of a part of the head in wudu. Because in the Shafi Madhab, it is only a, a part of the head that you have to, uh, that you have to wipe in, in terms of, of, your arkanul al wudu. I think we did it the other fardul wudu we niyatun ma ghaslihi li wajhi wa ghaslu wajin kullihi wa ghaslu kulli sa'idin wa mirfaqi fa inu bina ba'duhu fa ma baqi wa mashu ba'd al ra'si mutlaqan bima to wipe a portion of the head with uh, with water. This is something that is uh, that is compulsory. And then so wiping the head is compulsory. Why? Because Allah SWT says in the Holy Quran, وَمْسَحُوا بِرُؤُسِكُمْ وَمْسَحُوا بِرُؤُسِكُمْ And wipe your heads. بِرُؤُسِكُمْ doesn't mean the whole head. So, inshallah ta'ala, we're going to look at it from, from that perspective. And, uh, and then of course, in terms of, in terms of looking at the, uh, at the rulings in themselves, we're going to take a book of fiqh in the Shafi Madhab and we are going to go through all the ahkam, the rulings pertaining to wudu, the rulings pertaining to salah, the rulings pertaining to buying and selling, the rulings pertaining to getting married, the rulings pertaining to war and jihad, the, all the, the rulings pertaining to every facet that governs our lives. So these hadil ahkam al-shari'iyah, they are called fiqh. These Legal rulings, this is what is known as as fiqh in the legal sense of the word. In the literal sense of the word, uh, can you remember, Sister Yasmina, what does fiqh mean? It means to? To understand. understand. That's right. 
and the uh, the legal sense of the, of of the word um, is going to be looking at these uh, rulings, legal rulings, um, in themselves as well as in light of thefts uh, in the Holy Quran uh, and the Sunnah of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Now, I just want us for a moment to make the connection between fiqh and aqidah, between um, learning the rules pertaining to all these actions of worship as interactions between ourselves, making the connection between that and between our faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the simple answer for that, or the simple explanation for that, is that it is our faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's our belief in Allah, our belief that there is a a judgment day, that makes us want to hold on to these rulings of our faith, of our religion. In other words, we want to do the right thing because we have faith in Allah. With these actions of worship, we want to draw closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And on the day of Yawm al-Qiyamah, we want to be forgiven for our shortcomings and granted entry into paradise. Madrasa on A. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome back to your program. This is Madrasa on A, of course, developing Islam in me. The time is now 13 minutes past the hour of three. And then also just a correction on the janazah of Abdurrahman Hendricks, also known as Buta or Mr. Simba. The, the janazah is tomorrow after Asr. So that will be for Tuesday. The janazah will be for Tuesday after Asr, inshallah. For further information, you can make contact with the Nazneen on 0784101984. That is for the janazah of, of Abdurrahman Hendricks. That is for tomorrow, the 24th of the 10th month. That is after Asr, inshallah. But for now, we are going to be continuing on our program and the topic of discussion this afternoon is, of course, fiqh. And just before the Adbrik Sheikh was looking at the different rulings according to the proofs as well as also branching into the different rulings in, in terms of the different uh, madahib as well as uh, where fiqh is concerned. So we are going to be now handing back over to Sheikh Rihai Walls in studio and I am going to be saying it one more time and that is of course sending through your messages on our WhatsApp as well as our SMS. There was a message that we have received and Sheikh will be looking at that tomorrow inshallah. See that Sheikh wants to go through the message as well as the Questions so that she can give a proper answer, inshallah. For now, I hand over back to Sheikh to continue. Sheikh Tafatul. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wa la ama ba'd. Once again, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Just before the break, we were looking at the connection between fiqh and aqidah, between the knowledge of the rulings pertaining to those things that we are duty-bound by the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and our faith in Allah. In fact, there's a verse in the Holy Quran where Allah ta'ala says very emphatically, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ And we spoke about that, uh, inshallah, uh, we spoke about that last week. إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ أَيْ إِلَّا لِيَعْرِفُونَ 
that we, I have not created the jinn or mankind except for the purpose of worship. And we looked at the origin of the word worship and the Mufassirun they say Allah SWT when he says I have not created the jinn or mankind except for the purpose of knowing me. Yeah. Because when we know Allah SWT um, as Allah SWT should be known by default we worship him and we submit and surrender to him in the way that he wants us to. So Allah SWT has created us for the purpose of worship. So we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we worship Him for what? Allah doesn't need our worship. Allah is not in need of anyone or anything and everyone and everything is in need of Allah. In other words, we're worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sincerely for His sake and for His sake alone. As he's ordered in the Quran, وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُ اللَّهَ مُخْلِسِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ And it has not been ordered, except that they worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they have not been ordered, meaning us as his creation, Jalla except that they should worship him مُخْلِسِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ This whole way of life, whatever we are doing in terms of عِبَادَةَ or مُعَامَلَةَ in terms of in terms of worship or transaction, then we must do it sincerely for the sake of Allah and for His sake alone. But Allah SWT doesn't need it. So we're doing it for His sake, yes. For His pleasure, yes. But we are the ones that are benefiting from it. And if we go to Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah SWT says very clearly, Ya أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ اتَّقُوا رَبَّكُمْ Ya أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ عَبُدُوا رَبَّكُمْ أَلَّذِي خَلَقَكُمْ وَالَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ O mankind, worship your Lord. He who created you and those who came before you in order that you might لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ And we have mentioned on this program about the fact that the word taqwa comes from the word wiqaya, which means a shield. So لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ literally means, so you worship Allah, why? In order to shield yourselves from every word from every deed, from every attribute or thought for that matter, that would bring upon you the displeasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, our faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a direct connection to the importance of us learning how to worship Allah. So Allah has created us for the purpose of worship, but how do we worship Him? What is compulsory? What is recommended? What is permissible? What is disapproved of? What is prohibited? And then we observe all of these rules in order that we should shield ourselves from His displeasure. We make salah, automatically we are shielding ourselves from the displeasure of Allah. We stay away from, from zina, automatically we are we have that wiqaya, we are shielding ourselves from the displeasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we can see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala combines the two in the Holy Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, for example, Surah Al-Ma'idah, verse number 6, Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu, idha qumtum ila salati faghsilu wajuhakum wa aidiyakum ila al-marafiqi. Oh, those of you who believe. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking to who now? He's speaking to the believers. They have iman. Allah SWT says, إِذَا قُمْتُمْ إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ If you are going to go and make salah, then wash your faces 
and your hands up to your elbows, etc., etc. So Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, He has, He has connected our faith in Him to this action of purifying ourselves for prayer. If it wasn't for the fact that we had iman, we wouldn't be going and performing that wudu to go and make that salah to shield ourselves from Allah's displeasure and earn His, and earn His pleasure bi ta'ala. Another example, where Allah SWT, He brings together uh, salah and zakah and the last day, or the day of judgment. In Surah An-Naml, verse number 3, الَّذِينَ يُقِيمُونَ الصَّلَاةَ وَيُؤْتُونَ الزَّكَاةَ وَهُمْ بِالْآخِرَةِ هُمْ يُقِنُونَ Those that establish prayer, and they pay the zakah, the alms, and they are certain, يُقِنُون comes from the word yaqeen, which means to have certainty, and they have certainty in the life hereafter. So it is their faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is their faith in the fact and their belief in the fact that there is a last day, that there is a day of judgment, that they are going to pay the zakah, that they are going to perform the salah to prepare for that day. Look at for example the verses pertaining to Siyam. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu kutiba alaykumu siyamu kama kutiba alaylladhina min qablikum la'allakum tattaqoon. Oh, those of you who believe, indeed, fasting has been prescribed for you, just like it was prescribed on those who came before you, mm. in order that you might be conscious of Allah, be mindful of Allah. So, when it comes to the ulum al-shari'ah, you will see how they all fit together. And especially these two. Our faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and our learning clearly and distinctly, what is on us in terms of or what we are duty bound in terms of the rules in terms of the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala I would now like inshallah ta'ala for us to inshallah complete the uh, the introduction so we've looked at the we've looked at the definition of what is fiqh Literally, we've looked at the definition of fiqh legally, technically, and the next aspect of the introduction in the Mabadiya Kulli Fannin Ashara Al Haddu Al Mawdu'u Thumma Thamara. So, what is the subject matter going to be? It's going to be those actions of the Mukallafin, going to be the actions of those duty bound. People who are mukallaf, people who are duty bound, we're going to be looking at at the rulings pertaining to those actions. Thumma thamara, what is going to be the uh, the fruit thereof? Inshallah, as saada fi darin, happiness in this life and more importantly uh, in the hereafter. Al haddu wal mawdu'u thumma thamara wa fadluhu wa nisbatun wal wadi. What is its virtue? What is the virtue of learning fiqh? Is a hadith of our beloved Prophet Muhammad وسلم, that says, One faqir is harder upon the shaytan than a thousand worshippers. Al faqir wahid ashaddu ala shaytan min alfi abid. So, this is the virtue of, of learning fiqh, becoming 
a faqir in terms of being able to uh, differentiate for ourselves, but also imparting that knowledge to others. This is worse for the shaitan than a thousand worshippers. Excellent, the voice there of Sheikh Riyad Walls in our program, Madrasa on e Developing Islam in Me. For now, we break for ads, and when we come back, we'll continue with the show. Stay tuned. The voice of Madrasa on e. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome back to your program Madrasa on A Developing Islam in Me. We are in our program and that is of course we're speaking about fiqh as well as giving a brief definition on fiqh and also looking at some other components according to fiqh and within this subject matter. You can send through your questions through to our SMS as well as our WhatsApp number and then also we are joined in studio by Sheikh Riyad that is doing all of this informative programming for us this afternoon. But for now I hand back over to Sheikh to continue where we stopped just before the outbreak of Fadl Sheikh. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa min wa ala ba'd. Once again, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yes, before the break, we're looking at the fadl, that the virtue of, uh, of studying fiqh. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it, is, it suffices us when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Fas'alu ahla dhikri in kuntum la ta'alamun. Ask those who know if you don't know. Ask those who know if you don't know. So the faqih, and we mentioned before the break the hadith, al-faqih al-wahid, ashaddu ala shaytan min alfi abid. That the faqih, the one who has understanding of the legal rulings um, of the sharia, pertaining to the actions that are duty-bound on the servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is worse for the shaytan then a thousand worshippers because it is that faqih who is then helping the mukallaf the one who is duty bound in terms of the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to do that which is right to stay away from that which is wrong to observe the boundaries that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has set for us and uh, you know in terms of of the importance of having a group that are always seeking to learn and gaining the knowledge of these rulings. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has stated very clearly in the Holy Quran and um, uh, this particular verse can be found in Surah At-Tawbah uh, verse 122 min in fact, the verse starts, وَمَا كَانَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ لِيَنْفِرُوا كَافَ Then it's not for the believers, for them all to go forth to battle at once. For they should separate from every division of them a group remaining to obtain understanding in the religion. لِيَتَفَقَّهُ فِي الدِّينِ فَقَّهَ يُفَقِّهُ تَفْقِيهًا Which is to gain an understanding in the religion and warn their people when they return to them that they might be cautious they might be cautious of the boundaries of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tilka hududullah fala taqrabuha tilka hududullah fala ta'tadu Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says these are the boundaries that Allah has set 
Don't come near to those boundaries. These are the boundaries that Allah said. Don't transgress those boundaries. But how are we going to stay within the boundaries, Sister Yasmina and respected listeners? Unless we actually learn about those boundaries. So the, the wadifa or the task, the muhimma, the amana of the, uh, of the faqih is a great one and very virtuous in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he is the one that is helping the servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to know where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's boundaries are and how to stay well within those boundaries doing that which is compulsory staying away from that which is prohibited doing the things that are recommended bi-idhnillahi ta'ala and uh, so when it comes to the um, the fadl as well when it comes to the virtue is a hadith of our beloved Prophet Muhammad uh, sallallahu alayhi wa very famous hadith where our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says the one that Allah subhanahu wa wants goodness for yufaqihu fiddin he gives him understanding in the religion and you know looking at, at all of these proofs this, uh, the reason that the ulama say that mean ashraf al-uloom of the most noble sciences again i'm saying of because we established when we did aqidah on tuesday last week that aqidah because the subject of aqidah is knowing allah knowing our lord that is the most noble of all sciences and then the next one in terms of nobility would be fiqh why because it teaches us how to worship our lord mm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and uh, Ibn Abbas the cousin of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu who was much younger than the Prophet sallallahu he was about 14 years old when when the Prophet sallallahu passed away but he was a sponge for knowledge and he was always in the company of our beloved Prophet Muhammad learning as much as he possibly could and after that learning from the Sahaba and when we look at in terms of the ulama from amongst the Sahaba he is considered to be the most learned Ibn Abbas why we say anhuma because may Allah be pleased with him and his father Abbas his name is actually Abdullah Abdullah Ibn Abbas May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with him and pleased with his father and with all the illustrious companions of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Our beloved Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made a dua for him. Allahumma faqihu fiddin wa alimhu ta'wil. You can hear that word faqih. Allahumma faqihu fiddin. Oh Allah give him understanding in the religion and teach him the interpretation of the Quran. And that is why more specifically Ibn Abbas was the greatest from amongst the Mufassirin, those who made the exegesis or the tafsir, who explained and commented on the Qur'an, he is the greatest uh, from amongst all the Sahaba. And after him, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, radiyallahu tabaraka wa ta'ala, anhu wa an ashabi rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ajma'in. So that is just looking at, at, at the virtue of the subject of fiqh. Man yuridillahu bihi khayran, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants goodness for a person, He gives them understanding in the religion. Because as long as they have understanding, as long as they can differentiate between that which is lawful, that which is prohibited, then inshallah ta'ala, they are going to stay on the straight path of Allah.
And when it comes to understanding, it must be a broad understanding. Why? Because it doesn't suffice for us just to know one aspect of fiqh and not to know another. We have to, we have to study our entire deen in order, in order to, to do the correct thing with regards to every facet of our lives. As Allah SWT says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, udkhulu fi silmi kafa wa la tattabi'u khutuwati shaytan. O those of you who believe, submit and surrender yourselves to Allah completely. Udkhulu fi silmi. Fi silm, ay al-islam. In other words, udkhulu fi silmi kafa. In other words, obey all the laws of Islam. And do not follow the paths of the, of the shaitan. One day the Prophet ﷺ was sitting with his companions and he drew a line in the sand and he said, This is the straight path that calls to paradise. And then he drew a whole lot of side paths and he said, And at the head of all these other paths, the side paths mm-hmm. is a shaitan calling to the fire. So when it comes to the deen of Islam, it's a package deal. We can't just obey some of the laws and ignore others. That is what some of Bani Israel did. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to them, أَفَتُؤْمِنُونَ بِبَعْضِ الْكِتَابِ وَتَكْفُرُونَ بِبَعْضِ فَمَا جَزَاءُ مَا يَفْعَلُ ذَلِكَ مِنْكُمْ إِلَّا خِزْيٌ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَيَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ يُرَدُّونَ إِلَىٰ أَشَدِّ الْعَذَابِ وَمَا اللَّهُ بِغَافِلٍ عَمَّا تَعْمَلُونَ أُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ اشْتَرَوُوا الْحَيَاةَ الدُّنْيَا بِالْآخِرَةِ فَلَا يُخَفَّفُ عَنْهُمُ الْعَذَابُ وَلَا هُمْ يُنصَرُونَ Do you believe in a portion of the book and reject a portion thereof? What will be the recompense of those who do that? Except that they will be disgraced in this life and on the day of judgment they will be recompensed with a painful torment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then makes a similitude. He compares them to people in a business transaction. He says, That these people have sold the life hereafter for the life of this world. They've sold the life hereafter for the life of this world. This is a person that has that supermarket mentality when it comes to Obeying and disobeying the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some people might say, for example, that yes, uh, they make salah and uh, they fast a month of Ramadan, but uh, the laws pertaining to riba, pertaining to business transactions, now they turn a blind eye to that, otherwise they're not going to make enough money. Now, this is very, very dangerous. In fact, it's very scary. Uh, uh, scary in the sense of uh, as a deterrent a hadith of our beloved Prophet Muhammad when he says that all business people um, are transgressors but he doesn't stop there and this is the, the power of the Arabic language he makes a blanket statement and then he provides an exception he says that all Business people are transgressors except for those who are pious and truthful in their business dealings. So, Islam is a all-comprehensive way of life. And fiqh 
this topic of fiqh gives us the correct understanding of how to conduct ourselves, not just on the musalla, not just on the prayer mat, not just when we are fasting, not just when we are in Makkah by the Kaaba, but teaches us how to conduct ourselves with our spouses, how to raise our children, uh, how they must inherit from us, how we must be doing business transactions. And this is that, that complete way of life that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about, that we should not pick and choose from. Enter into Islam completely. Submit and you surrender yourselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in totality. And don't follow the paths of the shaitan. The subject of fiqh is going to, inshallah, allow us to be able to do that. And not to be like those people who have sold their hereafter, which is eternal bliss in paradise, just to follow their whims and fancies and lusts and desires for the blink of an eyelid on the dunya. Their punishment will not be lightened, nor will they have any helpers. Allahu Akbar, the voice there of Sheikh Riyad will speaking to us more on the topic of fiqh in our program Madrasa on A Developing Islam in Me. For now, we break for ads and when we come back, we'll continue with the show. Stay tuned. Madrasa on A. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome back to your program Madrasa on E-Developing Islam in Me. I'm your host Yasmina Peterson and we are joined in studio still by Sheikh Riyad Wools in studio speaking about fiqh as well as understanding as well as looking branching into Akira and so forth. However, I'm now going to be handing over to Sheikh uh, to continue where we stopped just before the ad break. And then also for those of you who have sent through your questions and your messages, shukran so much for doing that. We will be looking at that inshallah. And as well as looking at uh, taking hudu in uh, Hanafi Madhab, we will be branching into that in future inshallah. So just hang in and uh, stay tuned to the voice of the game 91.3 and tune into the program Madrasani as we will be looking at that aspect inshallah but for now Sheikh over to you Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala amma ba'd once again assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh yes just before the break we were speaking about the fadl the virtue of studying this topic of of fiqh that it is that topic or that subject uh, with which we can learn the boundaries that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala set for us to differentiate between that which is halal and that which is haram, that which is lawful, that which is prohibited. And we looked at some uh, some verses from the Holy Quran and some of the ahadith of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that the one that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants goodness for, he grants them understanding in the religion. And how Ibn Abbas, Abdullah ibn Abbas, the cousin of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that our beloved Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, may dua for him, Allahumma faqihu fi al-deen, wa'alimhu al-ta'weel, O Allah grant him understanding in the religion and teach him the interpretation of the Qur'an. We know that that dua, subhanallah, was the sabab for Ibn Abbas, was the cause for Ibn Abbas becoming the most learned from amongst all the Sahaba. Then we go on to The nisbah, the relation in terms of the other 
علوم الشرعية is that it is also based on the Quran and the Sunnah of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and uh, if we are to um, if we are to look at the uh, um, the four sources once again I've mentioned them before that uh, when it comes to ahkam al-shari'ah the four main sources of these ahkam of these rulings is the Holy Quran the Sunnah of our beloved Prophet Muhammad the Ajma, the consensus of the ulama and we will look at Ijma of Sahaba um, you know versus those who came after and the what we call Qiyas is when making an analogy on something that wasn't spoken about in the Quran or in the Sunnah and we don't have Ijma on it like for example there are certain narcotics that uh, that weren't around in the time of our beloved Prophet Muhammad um, For example, we have uh, cocaine or heroin. These things did not exist in the time of the Prophet um, But there was alcohol in the time of the Prophet And the verse came down, well, we know that alcohol was prohibited in, in stages. Uh, the first verse that came down was يَسْعَلُونَكَ عَنِ الْخَمْرِ وَالْمَيْسِرِ They ask you about uh, wine and intoxicants or they ask you about, sorry يَسْعَلُونَكَ عَنِ الْخَمْرِ وَالْمَيْسِرِ They ask you about intoxicants and gambling قُلْ فِيهِمَا إِثْمٌ كَبِيرٌ وَمَنَافِعُ لِلنَّاسِ وَإِثْمُهُمَا أَكْبَرُ مِنْ نَفْعِهِمَا Say, tell them, O Muhammad that in these things there are uh, there is a great sin and benefits for mankind but the Sin far outweighs the benefit. I mean, ask a doctor. Um, in fact, some doctors will tell their patients that they should have a glass of red wine at night because it opens up the arteries and, you know, prevents the clotting of the uh, of the veins. Uh, so there, there are benefits in it. Uh, gambling, uh, you know, like they say, tutter my millions, tutter my chance. He pays a two rand and he wins a million rand. وَإِثْمُهُمَا أَكْبَرُ مِنْ نَفْعِهِمَا but the, but the sin far outweighs the benefits. Mm. If we look at uh, domestic violence, if we look at, at crime, at murder, at uh, you know, um, uh, deaths on our roads, um, you know, majority of them are alcohol-related. In actual fact, I was told by a magistrate once that 80% of our crime is alcohol Related, so it, it, the 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 harm and the detriment far outweighs the the benefit. And gambling, you know, people just win on, you know, on one occasion, and then it it is a it is a a, a terrible addiction, uh, gambling. And people have lost their their homes, have lost all their material positions, have lost their families. Some people have even well, Billah committed suicide as a result as a result of. Of gambling, so the the harm and the detriment far outweighs the the benefits when it comes to uh, when it comes to to gambling. And this was the first verse that came down. The second verse was was uh, Don't come near to your prey whilst you are intoxicated. So it was a it was a, gr- a gradual uh, system of uh, of prohibition, a prohibition over time. And then the last verse that came down was That indeed intoxicants 
Uh, in fact, the word khamar comes from the word khimar, which means a veil. Uh, because the person's intellect is literally veiled when they are intoxicated. And if you look at the frontal lobe of the brain, that is where the decisions are made. Where the decisions are made. And if that is veiled, then the carnal brain literally takes over. And that's why you see people that are intoxicated behaving far differently um, than the way that they would have behaved had they been sober. So, indeed, intoxicants and gambling and uh, slaughtering animals for other than Allah and fortune-telling is filth from the handiwork of the devil. So stay away therefom. Stay away from... Fajitanibu. Uh, stay completely away therefrom. لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ In order that you might be, be successful. So, so we have clear verses, you know, pertaining to, uh, pertaining to uh, intoxicants. And... But in, the, in that time, there wasn't such a thing as tuk or cocaine or things like that. So now we want to find out, does it fall into, into intoxicants? So we make, we make qiyas on that. Um, we, 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 ask ourselves, we ask ourselves the question that, okay, a tuk, for example, take your four fingers like a tuk, you know, um, does it, uh, in, does it in, uh, intoxicate? And the answer is, uh, yes, take tuk intoxicates therefore it is like wine and therefore it is haram mm. so that is how a person would make uh, make qiyas so in terms of in terms of um, uh, the the nisbah in terms of the relation of uh, of where the subject of fiqh fits in it fits in with those subjects in the Islamic sciences that is based on the Quran, on the Sunnah, and then we have, as I've mentioned, we have ijma, consensus of the ulama, and uh, and qiyas. And then just to uh, uh, just to conclude, we have after the nisbah wa fadluhu wa nisbatun wal wadi. I mean, fiqh has been around since the time of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu uh, But in terms of it being arranged. The way we see it arranged today, the book of purification, the book of prayer, the book of almsgiving, the book of fasting, the book of, of, uh, of pilgrimage, the book of, of, uh, of buying and selling, etc., etc., that was arranged by uh, Al-Imam Abu Hanifa, uh, rahmatullah alayhi. And it's Al-Imam Shafi who said, Kullu nasi ala Abi Hanifa. That everybody is a student of the fiqh of Abi Hanifa, because he's the one that laid down basically the... Uh, the taqsimat, the um, how fiqh is organized in, in the way that we uh, that we study it. وَفَضْلُهُ وَنِسْبَةٌ وَالْوَاضِعُ وَلِسْمُ الْإِسْتِمْدَادُ حُكْمُ الشَّارِعِ As far as the, the name of it is concerned, it is ilmul fiqh, it is the, the science of fiqh. الْإِسْتِمْدَادُ, I've already, we've looked at that, مُسْتَمِدَّ مِنَ الْكِتَابِ وَالسُنَّةِ وَالْإِجْمَاءِ وَالْقِيَاسِ وَفَضْلُهُ وَنِسْبَةٌ وَالْوَاضِعُ what is the hukum? What is the hukum of, of, uh, of studying fiqh? This is a very uh, important aspect of the subject. That what is the ruling uh, pertaining to learning this subject? And the answer to that is that it is, it is wajib. Just like aqidah is wajib, it is compulsory, it is fardain, it is compulsory on every... Um, person that is mukallif, that is duty bound by the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have to learn this topic of fiqh so that we can differentiate uh, between what 
is uh, compulsory for us and what is prohibited for us and everything associated with that. Uh, and the Masail are of course looking at all those issues pertaining to every uh, section that we're going to cover of the Ahkam from Ibadat uh, to Ma'amalat, from worship to transactions. And inshallah ta'ala, uh, we also have uh, a poem that I'm going to be putting uh, up inshallah ta'ala and this poem is based on a very famous work that a lot of people in Cape Town have been exposed to and that is the famous text of of Abu Shuja but I'm going to put up the uh, inshallah I'll put and we're going to be setting up that account today uh, on the Google Drive where we're going to put all the texts inshallah uh, and make it available uh, for download uh, for all our listeners ta'ala. and inshallah when we um, when we meet next week inshallah we will go straight into the text and uh, inshallah we will make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us the tawfiq and grants us uh, the correct understanding of this very important topic that we might worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a way that is going to bring upon us his pleasure in this life and that we're going to be forgiven and granted Jannah in the hereafter. سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت أستغفرك وأتوب إليك بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر وآخر دعوانا عن الحمد لله رب العالمين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته